Well, there are a bunch of hardy souls. Uh, you guys uh, made it out here again, in a, starting off with shoveling snow. And uh, I, I don't think you just started with shoveling snow. You've had a whole few weeks of shoveling snow. It feels like we're all a little snow fatigued. Uh, one way or another, we've had to uh, shovel roofs and make decisions on roofs and uh, survive roofs that are leaking and uh, you know, when we think about wisdom, and I'm uh, preaching on the book of wisdom, James, uh, wisdom from James, and we think of, okay, just practical things like uh, how do we decide if we're going to deal with our roof and, you know, do we just leave it? Is it wisdom to just leave it? Uh, or is it better to uh, get on the roof and actually shovel the snow off? Uh, is there some you know, tension as to, uh, are you scared of heights? Uh, is this a wise thing to do? Uh, and then what about the ice dams? Uh, do we leave those or do we uh, bang them uh, and smash them and uh, take the risk that you're going to be having a piece of shingle come off with it? Uh, you know, wh what exactly do you do? And uh, what's wise for one person uh, might not be wise for another. Uh, you know, another house might have a good uh, waterproofing barrier underneath your shingles, and, and you're just fine. It's not going to leak. Uh, but if your house is built according to the regular building code, which, are, you know, I don't know, it's got like three feet of uh, protective uh, whatever underneath your shingles, well, it just doesn't cut it, I mean, in this storm. I mean, this has been the strangest weather in, since recorded, since weather was recorded in this area. So, I mean, I... I'd be surprised if the building code doesn't change after this uh, storm because, I mean, roofs are leaking and good roofs. I mean, it was only a few years ago we had uh, hail damage and many of your roofs were uh, replaced because of hail damage. And uh, so you've got good roofs and they're leaking. Uh, you know, so what's wise? Uh, how do we uh, get wisdom? What is the smart thing to do? And then, you, you know, I, I appreciate many of you which... Uh, we're concerned about our roof here. We have a flat roof. Uh, and uh, so it goes something like this. I mean, I, it, it's kind of humorous, you know. You guys sit out there and you say, hey, Rob, you got to do something about that roof. I'm saying, right, how about you help me with that? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm snow fatigued. I can't help you with the roof. Uh, you just get somebody to do it. Okay, well, who would that be? Well, how about the professionals? Well, we hired the professionals. The, our professional here that does our roof is O'Neill. O'Neill said, hey, can I get some help here? I mean, like, I'm fatigued. I mean, i got everybody else's roof. Uh, what am I supposed to do? Uh, anyway, uh, like a whole bunch of brave souls showed up yesterday and shoveled the roof up here. And, you know, it sort of feels like you've got a, a teaspoon on you. <laughs> you know, and after like four hours, it's like, okay, I think we did something. We certainly didn't clear the roof. But, I mean, you know, we took a lot of snow down. Uh, so I, I really appreciate those of you that uh, did show up. I understand, and don't feel guilty if you didn't. I mean, people are snow fatigued. Uh, people are, some people are worried about heights. Uh, and getting on a roof is just not a safe uh, thing to do. Uh, it, it isn't. And uh, our roof is uh, like an ice skating rink on there. It's very similar to what those kids use in the summer when they put water on that plastic thing you slide. That's what it's up. Like, you're just walking up things. Woo, woo. You know, leave it on pushing snow. So uh, it's tricky. And uh, 
Anyway, what's the wise thing to do? Do you just leave it? Uh, it's certainly not wise to injure yourself. Uh, it's not wise to have your roof collapse. Uh, it's not wise to have your roof leak. What's the wise thing to do? And so we ask the Lord, uh, what do we do on these things? Now, uh, another uh, form of you know, wisdom, how do we uh, know what the smart thing to do is? Uh, many of you might have uh, been tracking with the Radio Shack, uh, the, the business that went into bankruptcy. And uh, again, uh, for me, it was uh, kind of interesting. If you thought the guys that started Radio Shack who had a smart business plan, their wisdom was this. In 1979, 1980, uh, people were just like inventing a lot of giz gizmos, gadgets, electronic things. And so the wisdom of the day was, wow, uh, with all this uh, advent of all these electronics, uh, we're going to have so much free time. And uh, we're just going to have time for hobbies and, and all sorts of fun things. And so Radio Shack just got going and, and was selling all these electronic gizmos for all the hobbies. And indeed, uh, people did have a bit of free time around then. Uh, but that's not the case today. I mean, just uh, statistically, the average person is working an extra day a month versus 1979 or 1980. I mean, that's 12 extra days people are working per year, just on average. So Radio Shack uh, filed for bankruptcy. Their business plan, their wisdom uh, wasn't that, in the end, wasn't that uh, smart. But uh, when we look at biblical wisdom, uh, often what uh, we're going to look at today in the book of James, uh, or we think of King Solomon, uh, the wisdom that seems to be that God wants to give us is not so much like the best business plan, uh, although God does give us good wisdom on that, or wisdom on whether we should or shouldn't shovel our roof, uh, or it's often wisdom as it relates to dealing with God, or wisdom uh, as it relates to dealing with people. Uh, those seem to be the areas that we really need a lot of wisdom on. And sometimes the advice that we get, like today, it's not the sort of stunning advice where you'd say, wow, I just would never have thought of that. It's more like common sense. Uh, but we need like a regular dose of common sense, because uh, common sense is just not that common. You know, uh, people forget the obvious. Uh, let me just pray, because uh, what I want you to get out of this uh, sermon today is a sense of developing godly wisdom as a lifestyle. Uh, there's, there's, there's a way that God is uh, encouraging us to live as a lifestyle that we would say we have godly wisdom. And uh, that starts, uh, clearly, with a fear of God or a love of God or a connectedness with God and saying, okay, our smarts, our wisdom is derived from God. We're receiving it from God. It, it, it's not so much a wisdom like, you know, you've got high IQ, like you're really smart. That, that's a different type of wisdom. This is a, a wisdom where God is giving us a way to live, which in the long run, over the course of our life, would be the most uh, pleasing way, the most satisfying way to live, the most uh, fulfilled type of lifestyle to live, the most enjoyable type of life that we could have. And God wants to give us that, and he wants to give us that wisdom.
So, Lord, I, I just pray uh, that you would uh, help me to preach. Uh, and, uh, Lord, that we would each have uh, ears to hear specifically today what it is that you want uh, to teach us regarding wisdom. Uh, Lord, what is it or how is it that we need to adjust or change or, or smarten up in the way that we relate to others and relate to you? Lord, just allow us, Lord, to understand your way of thinking. In your name, Jesus. Uh, amen. Well, uh, King Solomon was known as like one of the wisest guys uh, to ever have lived, and he certainly was hugely blessed. Uh, he was a famous king, but uh, the interaction that he had with God uh, was the one that was really interesting. And I want to look at that quickly before we uh, jump into the book of James in the New Testament. Because uh, Solomon was King David's son, and uh, King David was a great king, and here he is, his son is going to take over the throne, and he's got a huge uh, task. Uh, you know, his dad was really famous and was great uh, in terms of wisdom, and here his son is going to take over from his dad, and they, they're just like big shoes to fill. So uh, in... 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the, the decrees of his father David. And, uh, you know, that just gives us a hint that the starting place for Solomon, when he, uh, like, really gets given wisdom by God, is that he loved the Lord. Uh, he was just seeking the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father, David. And uh, then it says in verse 5, That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Now, can you kind of imagine that? Uh, it, God is trying to talk to you, and he uses the form of a dream. And he says in this dream, very clear, very vivid, uh, Solomon uh, I, I'm, I'm with you, I, I, I see that you love me. Uh, what is it that you would like to ask of me? And Solomon replied, You showered faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued your faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. You know, there's a sense of uh, when you step into something that's bigger than you can deal with, you feel overwhelmed. And uh, I don't know if you're feeling overwhelmed today uh, in what's given to you, even if it's a blessing, good things. But here is uh, Solomon He's taken over the leadership of these people, and he's feeling, as he says, like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And he says, and here I am in the midst of your chosen people, a nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. And then he says in verse 9, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference 
between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? I mean, what an interesting uh, request that Solomon has. He says, God, uh, help me to govern. Uh, uh, you know, of all the things that he could have asked. And this was just so pleasing to the Lord. The Lord, uh, in verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not, uh, and have not asked for a long life uh, or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. And indeed, uh, God imparts wisdom uh, to Solomon. Now, you know, it's, it's sort of an amazing uh, thing that Solomon did. I mean, if you're a business owner or, uh, you know, a teacher in a school system, it's natural to ask for the things that uh, you're most interested in doing. You know, like God, uh, you know, let my business prosper. I want to do well. Make me great. Uh, you know, I want to provide for others. Uh, if I'm a teacher, Lord, let me, you know, really be great. Uh, I want to provide for the others, uh, my kids. Uh, I want to really impart wisdom to them. Uh, I want to do the right thing. But if the motive is not really you at all, uh, but truly is your students, uh, and how do I serve them, and how do I really, you know, help them, uh, if your motive isn't to lift yourself up, but it is really to be in service to others. Uh, this is sort of getting at the heart of what God wants for us. Uh, that ability to just serve and love others. Uh, one of the uh, famous stories, and I'll maybe paraphrase it a little bit, is, or maybe I'll read it. So Solomon's <clears throat> given the, the leadership role and God has uh, allowed him to receive wisdom. And uh, one of the first uh, challenges that uh, Solomon has is to make an awkward decision, uh, a decision that you can't like just get a book out and read it, uh, a decision that being really smart doesn't really give you the answer. It's a decision, uh, you know, like your own roof. Do I go up on the roof or don't I go up on the roof? Uh, you know, it, what's the right answer for this particular situation. So uh, the story goes like this, and it's a very uh, well-known story. Uh, for many of you, you're familiar with it. Sometime later, two prostitutes came to the king uh, to have an argument settled. Please, my lord, one of them began, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There were only the two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over onto it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning, when I tried to nurse my son... He was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted. It certainly was your son, and the living child is mine. 
No, the first woman said, the living child is mine and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. Then the king said, uh, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim that the living child is yours. And each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Then the king said, cut the living child in two and give half to each of the women. Then the woman, who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much, cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. Then the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to, to live, for she is the mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. You know, the king had all these different responsibilities. One was to be a judge. And, uh, you know, here was a practical a problem, and uh, he just had wisdom. Again, he wasn't a, you know, he couldn't get a book and say, okay, when two women you know, deciding who's got the dead kid, my kid, you know, it just, that fact pattern doesn't present itself. Uh, you need, like, some sort of wisdom. And uh, typically, with wisdom, you need to be able to think on your feet. You know, it's, you, you need to make a quick decision. You need to make the right decision. How do we do this? How do we uh, get this sort of wisdom? Uh, and that's what we want to look at here in James. So if you've got a Bible, uh, why don't you make your way to James? And if you've got an insert, uh, why don't you pull that out? But let me just uh, remind us of what we've already covered in James. And it says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. So we start with the mindset that God really wants to speak to us. God really wants to impart his wisdom to us, and he expects us to be asking him for it. And uh, we should expect that God would indeed uh, give it to us. So uh, James chapter 3, verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Uh, so James, uh, firstly, jumps right out and he says, look, uh, wisdom requires action. It's no good that you just, you know, think about it or you think you're smart. Uh, wisdom is going to have practical deeds associated with them. And so you can look back and say, this is what I've done. Because I was smart, because God gave me wisdom, I've actually done stuff. And uh, that's what uh, James is is, you know, encouraging us to do. Uh, if you're smart academically, you do well on tests. If you're smart with wisdom, you have deeds to show that. Uh, there's something that's, that's there. Uh, the interesting thing, of course, is God is asking us to have deeds, but to be really humble about it. It's not like, okay, I go around bragging about it. It's just like, if you're have wisdom with the Lord, you're going to walk humbly with God, but you're going to have a lifestyle of things that you've actually done. 
uh, that's what God is encouraging us uh, to do here. And then uh, as if to uh, look at the other end of the uh, other uh, extreme, so the first one was be wise, do this good works with humility, do good works with humility. Uh, the other one is a negative aspect, be wise, don't do this, and don't do selfish, uh, don't be jealous, and don't be selfish. Look what it says here in verse 14. But if you are bitterly jealous, and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder, evil of every kind. I mean, you know, you can have two people doing the same thing. You can have two business owners, and one is doing it with good motives, and another one is doing it with just because there's jealous and there's competition and there's, you know, uh, uh, the wrong attitude. Uh, so our attitude, our response to God, our humility, uh, our motive for doing things uh, needs to be, well, pure. It's not okay to do well because you're jealous or you're selfish. Uh, you want to do well because you want to please Jesus. Uh, the motive uh, in what we're doing should be, God, uh, you've been really good to me. Uh, God, uh, I really love you. I've received your blessing. I've experienced your love. I've seen how you've helped me out in practical ways. I've seen how you've proven to me that you really do exist and that you really love me individually, personally. And, and as a result of that, and really sort of only as a result of that, uh, our response is, Lord, you are so awesome. How do I serve you? How do I uh, live for you? How do I give my life to you? And unless you really have made the connection with God first, uh, trying to do good things for God is, is sort of meaningless. Uh, that's really an outflow uh, of knowing God. So God is saying, don't be jealous. Don't be selfish. These are uh, not good motiva motivators. They're not good uh, things to be uh, that, sh that should not be the reason for what you do, because you're jealous or you're selfish. We, you know, it's sort of like, duh, it's kind of obvious. But, you know, sometimes we just kind of need to be told the obvious. I mean, it's like common sense. Uh, one of the popular business books, one that I enjoyed, was uh, Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders. And... Uh, you know, here's a, a book which really sold well uh, for good reason. Because uh, Stephen Covey, you know, simply put together seven thoughts here that were really, that are really helpful. Uh, so if I just read the chapter titles, you'll get the idea. The first one was be proactive. Uh, have a personal vision. And then the second point that he makes is begin with the end in mind. You know, know where you're going. Begin with the end in mind. Personal leadership. The third point he makes is put first things first. Personal management. Fourth point, uh, think win-win. 
interpersonal relationship. And then the fifth point, seek first to understand, then be understood. Well, that's really just common sense in counseling. It'll, that'll be a good point in just marriage counseling. And then his sixth point was uh, synergy, creative uh, cooperation. And then his last point was sharpening the saw, balanced self-renewal, whatever that might be. Uh, but, you know, there's somebody coming up with seven practical things, really helpful. But what, I, what James uh, is going to show us in this next section is seven other points. And, you know, these seven points are not like rocket science. In fact, they're so sort of easy and so sort of obvious that we don't do them. We forget them. Or we assume that we're doing these things. And James is taking the time to say, wait a bit. Uh, he has seven really highly uh, important habits that we really should, like, inculcate. It should be part of who we are. He has some uh, habits that we should form. And it sort of, you know, falls under the umbrella of Psalm 111, verse 10. Fear the Lord, uh, because He's the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey His commands will grow in wisdom. There's a sense where the Bible is saying, look, our attitude should be one where we love God, where we fear Him in the sense that He is God and we're not, and uh, He's more powerful and, you know, smarter than we'll ever be. And in that sense, uh, we have this reverence for him and a fear for him. But uh, look what the seven points are here that James unpacks in verse 17. Let me read them and then we'll uh, go through each one individually. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And then verse 18 wraps it up. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, you know, the thing about that list is after you finish reading it, there's nothing remarkable about it. It's not like, wow, that just really sticks out. In fact, I would willing to guess that not too many of you have sort of memorized that particular scripture because it just seems, well, maybe not bland, but it's not like, wow, now that'll give me great wisdom. And yet, from James's standpoint, he's saying, don't forget the basics. Uh, having the basics in place is really great wisdom. So uh, the first one... <laughs> The first one would be uh, to be pure. Hang in there, Maggie. The first one is to be pure. And, uh, you know, often uh, we, what we do, because James is New Testament wisdom, uh, I like to use Old Testament wisdom, which would be the, the Proverbs, to just look at this. So be pure. And Proverbs 8.10, choose my instruction rather than, choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. You know, so the wisdom of this idea would be to be pure, 
it's really like a big deal. It's more important than gaining a lot of wealth or whatever. How do we be pure? I mean, can we be sincere with God, be upfront with God? Can we be pure in His eyes? Be peace-loving, the second point. Be peace-loving. You know, we just take peace-loving for, for granted. Proverbs 23 says, Avoid, uh, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. You know, some people just like love to pick a fight or just like to disagree on the most ridiculous things. Uh, but a wise person has the ability to just restrain yourself and say, look, you know, this is just not worth quarreling about, or, or this is just not a big enough issue. I, I can just let this one go. Uh, even if I'm wrong, I can just let it go. Proverbs 14, 29, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. You know, there, there are times when people say things to us or do things to us that just, like, make us mad. But there's wisdom in the ability to just say, okay, I'm not going to respond to this. Uh, if you lack wisdom, you just lash back. It's just the natural thing to do, but it's the wrong thing to do. Which sort of goes closely with the third point. Be gentle. Proverbs 15.4. Uh, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 15, 15, 1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. You know, it's so easy for us to just, you know, maybe say something we know is going to get the person riled up or, you know, here's the, the truth and we're just going to, you know, pummel it at the wrong time. Uh, there's something about wisdom where there's a sensitivity that we have that we want to be kind of gentle in our approach uh, as opposed to, you know, like a lawyer on the stand is just like going at your throat, you know, just like trying to, might be, might be the truth, but I mean in a way which is just leaves you feeling shaken uh, versus somebody that's saying, okay, uh, can we be gentle about this? Can we, you know, do this well? And these points kind of go hand in, in hand. The next one being yield to others. Yield to others. I mean, like, there's a thought. You know, if you're going to have seven thoughts, you know, yes, wisdom from God. Let me just remember this. I need to yield to others. Wow. I mean, that's not exactly the, you know, the top of the pops. I mean, that's not like, this is incredible. Yield to others. I mean, it, it's so against our personality because we don't want to yield to others. We want to put ourselves first. I mean, we want to use others to help us get ahead. Yield to others. Uh, Proverbs 12, 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And then all in the midst of this list, James throws in like a big one, one that we will remember. Be merciful. I mean, you know, that could be a whole lecture right there, a whole sermon, clearly. Be merciful. Proverbs 28, 13. 
People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. You know, there's just this whole humility, you know, like, okay, we're not perfect people. Uh, you know, we need to be able to forgive. Uh, we need to remember that God has forgiven us. We need to have a degree of mercy when we're dealing with others. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Now, there's a good proverb to remember, Proverbs 17.9. You know, that is so true. You know, you can have a, a close friendship, and then you get some small little thing between you. It's almost like a, you know, a stone in your shoe. It's a small issue, but it just becomes so irritating. And uh, if you focus on that in your friendship, it, it just drives you apart. Uh, th th there comes a point uh, when you've got wisdom that you've got to just know when to let things go. How about uh, showing fairness, not favoritism? I mean, you've got kids. I mean, they know all about this. That's not fair. I mean, they'll sniff out when something's not fair in a heartbeat. Proverbs 16, 11, the Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. It is wrong to show favoritism when passing judgment. I mean, be fair. Be honest. Be trustworthy. I mean, this is not rocket science, but, you know, sometimes we need to just remember this. And, you know, so often when we read the Bible, uh, when God is speaking to us and He's active in our hearts, uh, you know, you'll hear something and it'll relate to just something that's coming up in your week uh, or there's something that you're dealing with at the moment. And God's truth will, you know, flush over you. And you say, yeah, I really need to be fair. I really need to be intentional about this. I can't, you know, show favoritism. And if you're dealing with something uh, like that, uh, you know, heed this uh, word of uh, wisdom. And then the last one would be be uh, sincere. And Second uh, Corinthians first one twelve says this: We can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own human wisdom. It is how we have conducted ourselves before the world and especially towards you. Now, that should sort of be our narrative. That should be, we should be like Paul in that sense, where we can say, you know, uh, when we reflect back on our deeds, on the way we've lived our lives, uh, what we could say about ourselves without bragging or boasting is that we have lived with a clear conscience uh, there's been a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings, and we have depended on God's grace and not on our own human wisdom. You see, that's the part that makes us godly. It's having the smarts to say we don't have enough smarts. It's like, God, we need you. God, I, I need your help, and I'm never like uh, too smart or to not need God's help. Uh, we just constantly need to be dependent on God. And God likes that. He wants us to be constantly praying to Him and asking Him and getting His wisdom 
Uh, that's the interaction and the dialogue that God desires. And part of that comes from just a regular reading of the Word of God, and, you know, and all of a sudden that one verse or that one chapter is just pertinent for us. It just so happens that that reading has relevance for our day or for our week. Uh, at other times, it's some wisdom that God has imparted because somebody said something. Uh, but God is saying we should be sensitive uh, to him. Now, I, I want to just sort of wrap this up. You know, Solomon was smart, but Jesus was a lot smarter. Uh, and Jesus is our model of wisdom. Uh, God gave us himself. He gave us Jesus as a way of saying, okay, how do I grasp this? Well, we can grasp the person. We can relate to a human. It's, it's hard for us to relate to a God we can't see, but it's easier for us to have related to a human. And so Jesus in his humanity was able to reveal what a life looks like lived out in wisdom. He is wisdom. He embodies wisdom. Uh, 1 Corinthians says this, God has united you with, with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he has freed us from our sin. This is just such a huge concept for us to not only grasp, but to, to live and to live out. This idea that Jesus is for us, uh, that God has given us his son Jesus to show us who he is, that we can experience God's love. And we do that by receiving Christ. I mean, we have to have some faith. And the faith is, I believe that God exists and Jesus, I believe you. And like the Gospels, we can even add that, Lord, but just help me with my unbelief. You know, I sort of believe in you. I'm battling to believe in you. I've got a few pieces, uh, but Lord, I, I still need your help. That's a good prayer. Uh, but the, the prayer is, God, uh, I want to understand Jesus. I want to receive Jesus in my life. I want to know you. I want to have relationship with you. And uh, that's what God is actually desiring that we do that we ask Jesus into our lives, that in doing so, we can experience the love of the Father. We can experience that God has forgiven us for a constant messing up, call it sin, call it imperfection. But we are constantly less than perfect. And yet when we have Jesus uh, living within us, we're saying, okay, I have connection with God. He has forgiven us. Uh, Colossians 2, 3, in him, in Jesus, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, when we receive Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us that we can call on and say, Lord, I want to connect with you. Give me wisdom. Give me knowledge. Give me help. Uh, direct my life. And I'll finish with this verse. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved, being saved, know it is the very power of God. You know, you will, like I will, again and again, come across people 
that uh, when you mention Jesus, it's just like, oh, that's such foolishness. I don't want any part of it. I don't even want to listen to you. And then you'll mention the very same thing to somebody else that knows Jesus, and they just light up. It's just the most exciting thing, and they want to engage in conversation. I mean, you know, of course, I'm a pastor, so every time I'm involved in dialogue, you know, in a public place, and finally the conversation, normally quicker than finally, comes to, well, what do you do for a living? You know, and I try and duck and avoid this, co- this question because I'm tr- I, I, I like to just get into a, a conversation. I, I, I mean, I'm interested in people just because of who they are. I like people. But sooner or later, the question comes, okay, you're a pastor. Man, it's the most interesting thing to see. Uh, more often than not, this is a response. Ouch! I mean, you know, how do I get out of this conversation? Uh, are you a you know, life insurance salesman or used car salesman or a pastor? It's like, okay, I'm done here. Okay, let's, let's, let's leave. Let's, let's, let's get going. Uh, I mean, it just, it's, never, it's never a neutral response. It's never like, oh, I mean, you know, someone's like, oh. You know. Or the person has the exact opposite response. That's great. That's so, you know, what a great profession. I'm, you know, t- tell me about yourself or Jesus or church or something. I, I don't know. But people either think this is total foolishness or it really just lights them up. And uh, for all of us and for each of us, we have to deal with where are we? Are we excited about Jesus? Do we want more of Jesus? Or are we saying, no, nah, I, I, I Jesus, uh, that's enough. Uh, do we really see that Jesus gives us wisdom or, or not? So why don't we end there and uh, um, have the worship team come on up. And Kevin, why don't you come and share with us uh, what you got this morning. And then we'll have a chance for response for prayer. Uh, so, so this morning there was a... Um, uh, in prayer, there was a picture of um, this big, huge jewel that was uh, buried, um, I think, in a snow-covered cave. And uh, of course, and uh, so, so the sense was that maybe some of us um, have have grown weary in, you know, a storm after storm after storm of digging, pursuing um, the kingdom of God. The sense was that the jewel represented the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Um, Perhaps the idea or the wisdom is that um, in our weariness, we need to um, gather together with our brothers and sisters and, um, and, and sort of get encouraged and, and, and re-energized, and, uh, and, and God can give us the strength to, to pursue uh, him more. Um, another part of the picture was um, some of us had, um, I don't know if there were bandages or bondages or grave clothes, but we were just sort of feeling stuck. Um, and again, I, I believe the wisdom is gathering together um, with our brothers and sisters and that um, God wanted to use um, each other to, uh, to get us unstuck. Um, and I believe the other side of the sword for that is, is the jewel can represent God's wisdom. And, um, you know... Maybe we're tired of, of pursuing it ourselves, or um, we can receive wisdom from, from others. And then just um, one last item. There, there was a sense this morning that maybe there was someone here who um, felt like they were um, waiting for an answer from God. 
and that and that you uh, received it this morning. Um, is there anybody bold enough to acknowledge that, that that's you this morning? You feel like you were looking for an answer from God and 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 you feel like you heard something today? Okay. All right. Well, I just I believe the Lord wants to encourage you that He knows you, and um, and He hears your prayers. And if you'd like prayer for anything else, we'll have a prayer team up here. We, we'd love to spend time praying with you.